Bridgers, Bridgers, up inside, blocked by Antetokounmpo. What a recovery. Paul on the drive, draws the contact, count it, and one. Chris Paul putting on a show. Great ball movement, but terrific defense as well. Booker trying to draw the foul. Hooked away by Middleton. Bridges inside, Aiton for the layup. And the foul. What a sequence. Final seconds. The Phoenix Suns are now two wins away from their first NBA championship. Hello, everybody, and welcome to your Final Score podcast, where you're listening to the final word on any and all debate in sports today. With you, as always, is your boy Wyatt and Matty P. And the Suns have protected home court, playing two perfect games, and have now taken a commanding 2-0 lead into Sunday's Game 3 in Milwaukee. Through two games, Devin Booker and Chris Paul, both averaging over 27 a game, on 40% shooting, 58% shooting for Chris Paul from three-point range, and Giannis, the only Milwaukee Buck with a positive plus-minus, averaging 31 and 14 and a half rebounds on 64% shooting. He needs some help. Matty P, you picked Phoenix in six games. You got to be liking your pick right now. What have you seen from from the Phoenix Suns so far in games one and two? Well, I. Everything that I thought was going to happen kind of happened. Like the way that the Suns have been hot in the playoffs, they've continued to do the same thing here in the first two games of of the finals. Um, what's really striking to me is those drive and kick threes that we've seen in the game one and two, where uh, Chris Paul or even um, Devin Booker in some cases drive and kick to Mikael Bridges to get Cam Johnson for three at the end of a at the end of a uh, shot clock it's just a real dagger for Milwaukee so but those are the, that's that was one of the things I saw especially in game two that was was eye-opening so and also second chance points as well uh, the Suns are really uh, taking advantage of the second chance points and it, it, it feeds into that you know that dagger mentality of putting Milwaukee uh, you know down uh, even if the shot clock is is running out I mean outside of the big three of Booker, Aiton, and Paul, at least one player has showed up and played and performed better than expected, um, which has put the Suns over the top. Johnson, Payne, and Bridges combined for 34 points, 6 of 13 shooting behind the arc um, in Game 1. Again again in Game 2, Bridges had a monster night with 27. Uh, he combined with Johnson's 8 for 35 points. They're averaging 35 points outside of those the, the big three. But the Suns did what they always tended to do. They made a run in the second half to blow the game wide open. It just seems like once they have a lead in the playoffs, they, they maintain it. Game one, they, their biggest lead was up to 20. Um, Milwaukee cut it down to seven, but they didn't allow the actual comeback. Um, just a key stat for everybody. If, if Phoenix has a 10-point lead at any point in a game in the playoffs, they are 6-0. To your point about the Phoenix Suns going on big runs, they remind me a lot of, and I'm not going to, don't jump on my back, people listen to the show, they are not the 2015 Golden State Warriors in terms of their talent and who they got playing on this team. However, the manner in which the Golden State Warriors back in the day, before Kevin Durant got there, the, the, the Steph and Clay and Dre Warriors, 
they would just go on these massive runs, usually in the third quarter. I mean, you and I would watch games back in the day, and we'd say, oh, Portland, like, Portland's hanging with Golden State at halftime. Oh, the Clippers have a lead against the Warriors. And the Warriors are come out in the third quarter, and as soon as a team plays three or four bad minutes of basketball, the game's over. And that's what I think the Suns have done to Milwaukee. Milwaukee, you know, game two, I was actually pretty impressed with how hard they played. They just can't overcome 20 for, from 40 from three-point range and 90% from the free-throw line because they're not hitting their own shots. And, you know, Phoenix, as soon as you go cold against them, they're going to explode and put the game away. Um, you know, Giannis was fantastic in game two. He's been good the entire series. I just think really the biggest problem with Milwaukee right now is their, is their supporting stars. Um yeah, I'm not worried necessarily about my pick. I, I still think we haven't seen this series go to Milwaukee yet. And that's obviously not a series until a road team wins or we play in a game seven. So um, I'm not really too worried about my pick, but it is concerning that Giannis is really the only one on the Bucks being aggressive at this point. You know, he's giving you 31-15 on 64% shooting. And yeah, I know he's a 60% foul line shooter, but no other Bucks are even getting to the line. They're all settling for jump shots, and you know that whole disparity with the with the free throw disadvantage from game one, where you know the the Suns shot twenty five of twenty six, and the Bucks shot what nine of what fifteen or sixteen? Yeah, it was like twelve of fourteen. That, that, twelve of fourteen. Twelve of fourteen. Yeah. Well, that well that didn't that didn't hold up in game two. You know, Milwaukee had the huge free throw advantage. Right. Milwaukee just. God, they have they've really come out flat to start this series, and the biggest reason for it, in my opinion, is Chris Middleton. And I said in, in our last show a couple days ago, I thought Chris Middleton this was going to be his chance to kind of reverse that narrative that he doesn't come through in the playoffs. He's given you twenty points a game in this series. That's obviously inflated by some some threes in game one that didn't really matter. You look at his shot chart; he's six of eleven inside the painted area, and he's eleven of thirty one outside the paint. So, Chris Middleton, don't settle. Go to the basket. And, and what frustrates me the most, Matty P, is Bucks fans and people who are talking about this series or complaining about their free throw shooting. Chris Middleton is their best foul line shooter. He's a, he's a career 90% free throw shooter. And he has zero free throw attempts in this series. Zero. You, you, you have to get to the foul line. Giannis even though he knows he's not a fantastic free throw shooter, is still going to the line because he knows that's how he scores. That's his game, is getting to the rim. And the Bucks have to get to the rim. They, Especially on their home floor. I mean, they're going to probably have a more favorable whistle being the home team. They cannot settle. They have to put more pressure on this Phoenix Suns defense. Yeah, I mean, to your point about Giannis at the free throw line, I, okay, I give him a lot of credit. He's been playing his ass off in this to keep the, the, the games relatively close, trying to get them close. Um, you know, he had 42 points, 12 rebounds in the second game. But the Suns want him to be at the foul line. If if they can get him to the foul line and he makes only one of two, or if he misses, you know, and goes 0 for 2 at the line, then, again, the Suns can grab that rebound, push, and then try, try to, you know, get a, a quick three or a quick two, and it's a two-for-one or a three-for-one um, situation. And that's what's killing them is, like, 
yes, you want Giannis to be aggressive, and he's the only one who's being aggressive right now on, on in Milwaukee. Um, but you know, you want Giannis to convert on those and ones because uh, otherwise, you know, if you're only getting you know one one or zero points every uh, on a possession that he goes out and gets fouled, then that's in the that's in Suns' favor. You know, it's Devin Booker has been torching them from deep the last two games, and Milwaukee needs needs to respond on on offense. You know, you got to get good looks. They're playing a little too much iso ball, um, just because they kind of fallen into that that trap of Giannis just taking it to the hole, which is great because he's aggressive. But again, that that trap of if he gets fouled and he doesn't make a free throw, then the Suns are pushing. Um, Chris and Drew Holiday have to shoot better percentages to for Milwaukee to have a shot in this series. I, I need to put an APB out for Chris Middleton. Are we sure that Chris Middleton played? Was he was he actually in Phoenix? Was that someone else wearing his uniform? Hey, he pulled a Jay Crowder. It's a Jay Crowder went what uh 0 for nine or yeah, yeah. 0 for eight in the first game, game. So first game. So yeah, Chris Middleton had that same type of performance. Yeah, they're they're both stealing money, Matty P. <laughs> They're yeah. both stealing money out there playing basketball, and you know, and I'm not, I'm, I don't want to, sh- I don't want to poop on Chris Middleton too much. No. When you watch him play game two, he is, he's still, he's still grabbing rebounds, he's still getting assists, he's still playing hard on defense, but he's had some really bad turnovers and bad spots in games, and he's just not shooting the ball well, which yeah. that's what he's on the floor to do is to shoot the ball. That's his, that's his role on this team. Yeah, I, and I felt like he's in, just not doing it. I feel like in game two, like. There was times where he came down the court. There was no ball movement, no passing at all. On and he, he was because he was the bring, guy bring it down. And then he shot a you know a three and didn't make it. And it was like if you don't make that three, that's just a turnover in in Milwaukee sense. So it, it yeah it was a lot of settling, a lot of iso ball, um, and they Chris Middleton needs to figure it out at home. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about games three and game four, what to expect as this series shifts to Milwaukee. Don't go anywhere. We'll give you our predictions next. Uh, to be completely honest, you know, I think the whole playoff experience, you know, helped to tone it down a bit because I feel like we've seen a lot of situations and different coverages and, you know, we've been through it all through the regular season and stressing the details of the game. So, you know, I think we're prepared for this moment. You know, obviously Milwaukee is no slouch and they make it tough on us and they're always going to make it tough on us. But, you know, we've seen a lot as a team. Um, Going back to Milwaukee, you know, we've been here before. We know what the deal is. Um, Just got to be aggressive, keep enjoying, you know, Playing together, keep enjoying playing basketball. You know, and hopefully, our good habits you know, throughout the year can you know take over, and now we can put ourselves in a position to win the game. But we know, we know what the deal is. And welcome back to your final score podcast, where the NBA Finals is shifting to Milwaukee for games three and four. It is the first NBA Finals game since the 1970s for this city, and I expect five serve form and the Deer District to be rocking. I also expect David Bakhtiari to do some beer chugs, get the crowd going. I'm sure it's going to be electric. Real question for you, Matty P. Is the Deer District as hype as the Toronto Raptors Jurassic Park? Uh, probably not. Uh, 
<laughs> I think they they might be a deer in the headlights here pretty soon if if they don't if they don't win game game three. So, <laughs> well, we we shift to five serve form for the Milwaukee Bucks where they have played very good basketball on their home four twenty six and ten in the regular season seven and one so far in the playoffs, um, winning by an average of eighteen points five times by double digits twice by thirty four points. Matty P. Um, you know, if you're a Bucks fan, I know it's it's tough to watch those first two games, but they have been down 0-2 before when they were crushed by Brooklyn. Obviously, you know, that turnaround was more about injuries for the Brooklyn Nets, but the Bucks have been here before. They've also been split 1-1 and been up 2-0 after games two in a series this year. So, familiar territory for the Milwaukee Bucks, um, and they, they have been over the last few years a team that's played at home. And this is one of the environments, like kind of like Phoenix, where this is the first time these fans have tasted an NBA Finals experience. And I think the home crowd is going to kind of light up these players a little bit. Hopefully it gets Chris Milton back on track, who historically does play better at home. Uh, you know, with Phoenix, Matty P, there, there's some news coming out. Uh, Torrey Craig got hurt in Game 2. They're, he's They're saying he's day-to-day. Dario Sarge, you know, tore his ACL in Game 1. Phoenix's rotation, though those two guys are not serious players for them and huge contributors, they are part of their unit, and that's two guys and two bodies now that have to go and sit on the bench in a smaller Suns rotation in a hostile environment. How do you think they kind of adjust with that? What do you think Monty Williams does with that roster? Yeah, I mean, that was the biggest question I had, too, was how the Suns' injuries were going to affect the depth chart as they progressed to the series. Uh, I think the biggest thing is Dario Saric, just being that big body down but down low. Uh, he can stretch the floor and hit the three um, once in a while. And it's just it gives you another guy on the road to kind of keep you level-headed. Um, they're they're going to have to rely a lot on DeAndre Ayton. You know, the three ball it might not be the, the answer in, in game three and game four just because you're in a hostile environment. Um, I think a lot of... I think a lot of uh, the three ball actually, you know, is dependent on where you are. You know, obviously the Suns, you start hitting two, three, four threes in a row. Um, you know, you, your home crowd kind of gets behind you, and then that's when you start lighting people up. Um, but he's they're going to have to really rely on DeAndre Aiden. He's going to have to get at least 15 rebounds um, because I know for a fact, you know, Milwaukee's going to come out with a fire. They're going to come out with... Uh, they're going to try to be shooting shooting the three, and and, and Giannis is going to be uh, dominant down low, as he always is. So Aiton is the is the key factor, and he's going to have to play a lot of minutes because of that. Uh, they don't have another really great rotational guy down low um, that can other – I mean, Kaminsky's been playing a little bit too. That, that He doesn't really have that much of a factor down low. And don't disrespect um, Frank so it, Tank. Don't, yeah, don't disrespect from, Frank the Tank Kaminsky. He's serviceable, but he's not. I mean, he's not as good as Dario Saric. And an um, all-time Wisconsin Badger, all-time, <laughs> all-time NCAA player. He was he was so dominant. National champion in college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. national champion. Um, but yeah, back back to the rowdiness of Milwaukee. Um, it, it's going to be a really big test for Phoenix. Might be the toughest place they play all all playoffs. Um, both these teams are new to the playoffs. We've said that before. Um, so there is a lot of passion between these two two fan bases, um, and it it's a, it would be ex- exciting 
um, at least for me, because because of my pick, if Phoenix maintains their success. Um, you, you mentioned how good that Milwaukee has been um, at home, but the Suns are just as good on the road in the playoffs. There's been six and they're six and two. They swept Denver. Um, they lost to the Clippers and Lakers once on the road, but those warrior s types of plays that we talked about in the last segment, um, those are the types of plays that have really kept them competing in the series if they're at home or away. It doesn't matter. Yeah, you know, when we talked about this series ahead of Game 1, I think one of the, the facets that I really overlooked in this series, one of the matchups, you know, we talked a lot about the backcourt and Aiton versus Giannis, but one of the things I really didn't consider too much was the coaching matchup. And I, there's a part of me that regrets it because Monty Williams has done such an incredible job with the Phoenix Suns. He's done so well with them. Um, and, you know, I, I know a lot of Atlanta Hawk fans are probably going to laugh when I say this, but God, Mike Budenholzer, there's, there are some head-scratching decisions going on in games one and two, right? I mean, he there was a moment, and one of the ones that I remember that stuck out to me was... Remember Drew Holiday's big block in game two? Right, yeah. Yeah, and then and then eight and then Aiden picks it up and slams right, it. But but so but here's my point about that. So the Suns at that point go up four points. And they were kind of going on a little bit of a run, right? But mo- there was still some decent momentum for both teams. It was just kind of a fast paced part of that quarter. Drew Holiday gets back on defense, big block, and there's three Suns. On the other end, Drew Holiday's trying to inbound it immediately to get some points back because he's got Lopez and Giannis down there, two seven-footers, and the only seven-footer for Phoenix is down there dunking the ball, and Budenholzer gets up and calls timeout. He could have got those two points immediately back. Right, right. And it's just like, dude, just like feel the game a little bit. And I know it's just a small example, and like that's not something to really look into. They didn't lose the game over it, but like th- there's a part of me that like just... He, he makes these decisions. He decides to call timeouts too early. He decides to call timeouts too late. <laughs> there just doesn't seem to be a lot of adjustment. Whatever the game plan is going into it, that's it. Like, that's that's what we're doing. I also have had this feeling, too, of that out of timeouts, when you make it, when you have a timeout like that, his, his set plays, his inbound plays have been just, like, blah. You know, like, they haven't really been effective at all. And... And, you know, obviously, like, timeouts try to kill momentum for sun, uh, the Suns. I get that. and But sometimes, like you're saying, it's unnecessary. And even in the times where you, you see uh, your team kind of going in this lull, you know, there, there, there's not much ball movement. The, the following timeout or coming out of the timeout, there's no ball movement again, so it was just a waste. Like it's the same thing that what was happening before. Yeah, and what the thing is, when you call a timeout on the in the playoffs on the road, no matter what's going on, that's a win for the home team, and that crowd yes. gets going, and all the energy that your team did have gets sucked right out. Like right. I understand you gave up a big dunk in transition off of a turnover. But Drew Holiday just had a massive block, also. So your team had some swag, had some had some things rolling, and you just killed the energy like completely. And again, I know they didn't lose the game because of that one moment, but I remember it was just one thing that I saw that like I saw Drew Holiday inbounding it, and they called time, and I was like, "What the hell?" I was like, "That's right. that's t- they're gonna get the two points right back." 
and like erase the turnover. And he just gets up and throws his clipboard and calls timeout. And I'm like, okay, well, it wasn't that big a deal. <laughs> it's not like they just went on a 20-0 run. Like, goodness gracious. Right. I mean, yeah, your your team didn't get back on, on defense except one guy. He makes a play and then, you know, you have, <clears throat> the Suns have three guys trailing. They're probably going to score. <laughs> so, Matty P., after seeing games one and two, going back to Milwaukee, how do you think these two games go? Do we go back to Phoenix, or is it Suns and Foe, as I'm seeing on Twitter all over the place? Suns and Foe, Suns and Four guy. <laughs> Are you a Suns and Four uh, guy, Matty P? Suns and Four? No, I might be a Suns and Five, but I, I think game game three, Milwaukee comes out, plays well. The Suns keep it close, but Milwaukee probably wins like by five or six, like cl- closer than what people think. And um, they t- they take it. And then I think the Suns win game four and five. So uh, I think it goes 3-1 going into Phoenix. Phoenix is not going to allow Milwaukee to beat them at home in game five. So I, I said Suns in six, but it could be it could be Suns in five. Right. I... I hear you, Matty P, but I am going to stick with my convictions here. I'm going to stick with my pick, Milwaukee in seven. And I believe Milwaukee takes care of business on the home floor and goes back to Phoenix tied at 2-2. Okay. I believe game five will be for win number three for both teams. Um, Listen, Milwaukee, I know they've played flat in games one and two, but a lot of it, the first game I will say, I, I, I think Phoenix dominated them in game one, like in all facets. They couldn't defend Phoenix. They couldn't score themselves. They didn't make adjustments. Like ev- everything about game one was bad. The only thing good about game one was that Giannis looked healthy, right? They built on that in game two. They played harder. They rebounded. They you know, Giannis was aggressive. It just shots were not going down for them, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's that was the biggest issue for me in Game Two. I think shots fall in Game Three. I think shots fall in Game Four. They're going to be around their families. are going to be around their fans. You know, I just feel like I feel like home playoff basketball is a real thing, especially in the finals when the environment is so big. Um, I think Milwaukee. There's a chance. I think. Game three will probably be the closest game of the mm-hmm. two. I think, like you said, I think it'll probably be pretty hard fought. But I have a feeling game four, if Milwaukee can win game three and get their swagger back, get their confidence, something tells me that game four could be a blowout. I, I think they're due. Milwaukee is such a good three-point shooting team throughout the regular season that I mm-hmm. think something about them, they're just they're due to go off in one of these games. And they've had two, they've had two 30-point wins so far at home in the playoffs, albeit against the Miami Heat and the Atlanta Hawks, but maybe not a 30-point win, but I think a 15- to 20-point win is not out of the ballpark. Yeah, you know, uh, Hannah, my fiance, she she uh, would definitely be happy on that. She loves Giannis. And not, probably things that, that are not basketball-related, just, you know, how he looks. But... <laughs> But yeah, she'd be happy because she's an honorary Bucks fan because she loves loves watching Giannis play. Well, he was sculpted from like Greek stone <laughs> out of the side of a mountain. I was told one time he was he was sculpted 
off of yeah. Mount Olympus. Yes. Yeah. His brother's not so much, but he was. Yeah, no. Thanasis, Thanasis is cool, though. I, I, I love watching him and Giannis hype, interact on the bench. Yeah, I love that. His hype man, yeah. Yeah, he's great. And then Costas, how about the youngest brother, first champion? Yep. On yep. the L.A. Lakers. Yep. How cool would that be if Milwaukee pulls this out and then all three Antetokounmpo brothers that are in the NBA got, got rings? That'd be pretty, awesome. That'd be pretty sick. Um, final point before we before we go off the air here about this series, Matty P. Um, I know I picked Milwaukee, but how about how about Chris Paul? Just a little shout out, Chris Paul. Chris Paul yeah. playing fantastic. Chris Paul on the verge of his first championship. I know. I didn't even I didn't even talk about him that much in my my segments because well he had a like quiet he, game too, but that game one was insane. Right. Yeah. He and he that was not expected in a sense of just exploding like that like i knew he was gonna have a great game but he what he went 30 he had 32 points and nine assists something like that yeah it was something insane. like that yeah so almost you know almost a double double high double double and uh he he maintained his his stellar play from the the from the series before brought it to game one was ready ready to play it wasn't and as a veteran as a 16 year um uh, year player he he definitely showed out and was like, "I'm ready to play in my first finals," and it was it was awesome to see. Definitely awesome to see. It, it, he wasn't he didn't shy away. He was ready for the moment. It was great to see. Well, that about wraps up our show for today. Matty P's got Phoenix and Milwaukee splitting games three and four. I got the Bucks defending the home court and going back to Phoenix with this series tied at two games apiece. We'll see what happens. I'm really excited to see. How tonight pans out. Do not miss it. Sunday night, 8 o'clock Eastern on ABC for Game 3. Game 4 will be Wednesday night at 9 Eastern. Should be a lot of fun. Matty P, as always, a pleasure talking to you, my friend. And uh, I hope you all enjoyed the show. We'll be back to talk more NBA Finals action after Game 4. Enjoy the games, and we'll talk to you all soon. Go Knowles.